0: Hey, welcome to our podcast. I'm Tom Blackwood, Executive Pastor at Calvary Church. We hope you'll find something every week that inspires and encourages you in your faith. You can subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen so that you'll never miss an update. Hope you enjoy the message. Good morning, Calvary. I just wanna echo what Kathy said, and I just wanna welcome everyone here. Whether you're joining us online live or maybe you're watching later on demand, we're so glad you've joined us today. And if you're in the house, thank you so much for being present. Kathy's already pretty much had everything to say about this little green card, ways that you can connect with us. But for those of you that are here for the first time, I want you to know a little bit about us. We love Jesus. Jesus is everything. Could not have picked better songs this morning than what Pastor Clayton did. He's everything. And so we are a body of believers who've come into relationship with Jesus. We have experienced God. And as we come into fellowship and there's maybe you've experienced God. We had a couple people first service for the first time enter into that relationship. And maybe you're here and you've entered into that relationship a couple weeks ago. And what's the next step? Well, there's, we actually have a class following Jesus um, and a next step class. Maybe you need to be baptized. Um, this card is your on-ramp. And maybe you're, you're, you've been a Christian a long time and maybe you've moved into this area. This is the way to connect with us for the first time. And then we'll engage with you. We'll tell you more about how you can be part of the family here at Calvary. But not only do we want to experience God, he calls us to follow him. He calls us into discipleship. And one of the ways that we follow Jesus as a disciple is we honor God with our tithe. We bring our tithe into the storehouse. You see this in the Old Testament. You see it in the New Testament. Jesus said, render under Caesar what is Caesar's. Everyone in here, I hope you pay your taxes. That's biblical. Render under Caesar what is Caesar's, but render under God, what is God. And that's the tithe. You know, you never go into the presence of a King without bringing a gift. And we serve the King of Kings. And so we have the opportunity to come into his presence with his tithe. That's the first 10%, the first fruits of what he has given us. Does God need that? Absolutely not. Is it an issue of salvation? Absolutely not. It's an issue of discipleship. It's an issue of following him. It's an issue of trusting him, recognizing that he is your source. You surrender, you bring that first 10%, which is God. And it's a test. It's the only place in scripture where God says, test me in this. See if I will not open the windows of heaven, pour out a blessing. God wants us as disciples following him to understand we can trust him. He is the source. Of everything, and then beyond the tithe, we get to serve others, and we do that here at through Kingdom Builders, whether it's local or global, supporting missionaries or local projects like the guys that, that went to the uh, boys' camp and, and built that. We get the opportunity to go above and beyond the tithe and move in moving this realm of generosity to where we put others before us to where we give to ministries and missions all about bringing Jesus to the lost. And if you were with us a couple weeks ago, we introduced our Kingdom Builders focus for the month of May, and that was Project Rescue. It's a ministry all about rescuing and restoring people who've been sexually trafficked and restoring them with hope and a purpose in Jesus. And so this month, we're partnering with them with a the goal of raising $30,000. $30,000 to help rescue. And we want you to see this video this morning.
1: When a girl is born in this community, it's more of a celebration. All the people in the village will come and they'll be surrounded around the house. They're waiting outside to know if it's a girl or a boy, and there's a midwife inside the room with the mother, and as soon as a girl is born, she will yell, which is, it's a girl. The saddest day of a girl's life to be born in this community because she is destined to be a prostitute, no matter what. And they will take good care of her. They will nurture her, they will feed her, They'll do everything they can so that she's healthy to be a prostitute when she's 11 or 12 years old. I never thought that there were so many villages that were prostituting their own kids in their homes. I feel for women who can't just live their lives and just be happy and not sell their bodies. I see them as my own sisters and my own daughters. As much as I can do, I would do for them so they could be free.
2: don't have a voice at all. Uh, they say, this is your life. This is what you ought to do. Your uh, grandmother did it, your mother did it, and now you have
1: to do the same thing. The sad truth is most of them, by their age of 12 or 13, they're prostituting themselves, or their parents have pushed them into prostitution. It's tradition to them, it's their culture, it's something they hold on to, that's all they got. They accepted the fact that they cannot be part of any society. And so they started living their lives in these villages and made a life for themselves. So for years, what we try to do is first build that trust and just be there, go see them. And most of our staff members that are from these villages were actually in these villages from this community. And so when they go into the village, they know them. They're like, we know you, you were doing the same thing, but today you're living a happy life. There's hope we can see. Why are you smiling so much? Why are you so happy? What's that sparkle in your eyes? And so that's when they share, I have something new and there's this God. It's not this God who is beating you down and telling you to prostitute your child. It's not this God who's telling you money is everything. It's not this God that's telling you, you have to live this demeaning life. And there is this one true God who is, who is going to help you, who's going to redeem your life. You're going to be a different person.
2: So that fires love. We, our job is to bring that and to tell them that there's a God who really loves you, who cares for you, who created you. You see, that's what we are. We have to do it. I I remember going to this village, a lot of children were following me. And this little girl, that uh, Lena, she was always with me. I said, where's your house? And She took my hand and took me to her house, a little mud house. Then I met her grandmother, I talked to her. But Lena's story, she told me that uh, her uh, mother was, of course, in prostitution. And one day her mother ran away, gone, and so her father was very disappointed and he went to the town and brought some poison and killed himself. Since that, uh, Lena's grandmother is taking care of her and her sibling. I asked her, do you want to come to our home and then we wanted to go to school? And she said, yes. She was so excited.
1: The first picture I saw of Lena was, there was no smile on her face. Her and her sister standing outside of their grandmother's hut. They had no parents, and their grandmother was going to sell them. And the first day when she walked into the campus, every girl that walked in was given a flower. And she was so excited. One of our staff said they heard constant giggles out of the room because they were so excited they had their own beds. I think that the most amazing part is where the kids come to us because we get to watch them grow, we get to nurture them, shelter them, give them good food. And when they're ready to step out into the world is when we have our reintegration program and they could go work or go to college and once they're earning, they, they bring their parents and their families and take care of them.
2: Your goal is to break the cycle of prostitution, 1st we've got to raise the leaders within themselves from that community, and so they can become the voice for their own people. They become educated and then they can become collectors and governors.
1: When we first walked into these villages, it was so dark, now there's there's that candle, there's that hope that's burning, and it's getting brighter and it's brighter. No one believed that this community could do anything else but prostitute their women and children. Today, they're driving rickshaws. Today, they're farming. they're doing other things. Their kids are getting a good education.
2: God has spoken to us. They're gonna be the strength of the nation one day. Not just the weak one, but they're gonna be the strength of the nation.
3: Project Rescue is one of those ministries that we have the the privilege <clears throat> excuse me of partnering together with through kingdom builders and uh, we took some extra time today to show that video because um, we believe that strongly in the ministry of what you 've seen represented here in front of you today um, we have uh, Boy, I could tell you stories. Uh, David and Beth Grant, the founders of Project Rescue, dear friends of ours, incredible uh, ministers of the gospel, and now their children are taking over leadership there but passing on the legacy. But it's a ministry that, that uh, countless um, hundreds and thousands of, of mostly women and, and girls that, that have been rescued from, from human trafficking and sex trafficking and uh, what a privilege that we get to partner together with ministries like this. So, Pastor Tom already said it, but I just wanted you to see a little bit of a window behind one of the partners, uh, the Kingdom Builders partners that we have, and what they, what their stories are all about. In fact, when we were um, launched Project Rescue as the focus for this month, had um, somebody here in the church that uh, just reached out to us and basically said that. I'm I'm a a direct impact in their lives personally here at Calvary from this this ministry through David and Beth. And and, uh, wow, what an honor that we can have to partner together with ministries like that. I love Kingdom Builders. I love about it. We're never gonna apologize for focusing on others because you know what? That's what Jesus did. He focused on you and me. And uh, he laid himself down to focus on us. And when we follow Jesus, we are no more like him than when we lay ourselves down and focus on others other people. So thank you, Calvary, for being a part of that as well. God is doing some fantastic things. It's just really good. Project Rescue and then the North Carolina Boys Academy, you guys, whether you're swinging a hammer and cutting some tube eyes or whatever, it's just, you know, you're serving others. And that's a great thing. And God allows us the privilege of doing that. Amen. 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 Well, here we go. We're going to dive into Acts chapter 20 today. And uh, I know that many of you uh, are sitting there and you're looking at your watch and going, man, Pastor John hasn't even started preaching yet. And I completely understand the time and we structured the service accordingly. And we have party with the pastors after service today. So I heard one, Whoop, you know, whatever there you say, what in the world is party with the pastors? Well, it's an opportunity for you if you're new or you just feel new and you want to get a chance to know the pastoral staff here. We're just going to have a fun time, it's an hour, twelve thirty to one thirty. You say I didn't sign up? That's okay. Show up, East Auditorium, out this door here to my left, uh, and uh, we're going to have a good time again. An hour, and then you'll be able to go home, take your nap, or watch the final round of the PGA Championship. Right? Okay. So priorities, we've got it. But before we go there, Acts chapter twenty, and when we get to Acts chapter twenty, this is a chapter that is. Um, It's really full of pretty fun stories, and uh, we're going to talk about um, not the, the fun story, although I'll just mention it right here. Here's a fun story at the beginning of Acts chapter 20. True story. It's in the Bible. They don't make this stuff up, right? This is God's Word. Peter, or not Peter, Paul is preaching, and he is preaching a long time like a long time. Nobody said that man for that. That's good. Hallelujah. So uh, you didn't resonate with your pastor here and he's preaching so long. The Bible says he preaches until midnight, right? That's a long time. Who knows when he started, but probably about right now, right? So just preaching on it. And there's this guy and he's sitting up in the, the third floor window and he's watching him preach and he falls asleep while he's preaching, right? That has never happened at Calvary church Yet, so anyway, uh, but uh, he falls asleep, falls out of the window, dies, plumb dead, right there. That's just crazy, right? Some of you think, "Wow, man, that's that was a long sermon." No, that was not a long sermon. That. Acts chapter 20, Paul, you know, prays for him. He comes back to life. It's a cool opportunity. No one is going to die this morning because I'm going to preach too long. I promise you that we're going to be brief. And some of you are already like, well, Pastor John, you've already wasted some of your time telling that silly story. I know. Here we go. Acts chapter 20. Go with me in your Bibles. If you've got them there, Um, what we are going to tackle today is Acts chapter 20, verse 24, Paul asks this question in so many words that we're going to wrestle with, and that is this. Is it worth it? And he goes really heavy, really fast, and that's the question of, is your life worth it? Is my life, is it really worth it? All the stuff, some of you may be walking through some really tough times and, and boy, if you're not careful during those times of challenges and trials, the enemy jumps up on your shoulder and he just says, it's just not worth it. I'm here to tell you that God has a plan for your life and it is worth it. There is a, a value in life because God, the almighty God, the creator of the universe, he created you and me and he formed you and he gave you life and it's worth it. Some of you have possibly walked through some uh, seasons with maybe loved ones or maybe even yourself where a doctor or someone has looked at you and said, you have this diagnosis. And because of that, you have X number of days or months or years left in your life. And that can be a really trying statement to make, right? Right. And Paul, in this chapter, in the history of the early church in Acts, where we're talking, the story continues, he's confronted with some really challenging news he he is it's been revealed to him and he's got this sense and he understands that in his the next few days months weeks years of his life where he's going to be uh facing trial after trial between government officials about uh, the persecution that he's going to face imprisonment being shipwrecked and all the stuff that's about he is like he, he's in this moment where he's like man is this worth it Sometimes we are afforded the opportunity um, to evaluate our lives, a lot of times at the end of our lives, but even now today, my question to you would be, if you had to answer the question about your life, is it worth it? mentioned earlier that many of you may have received that diagnosis or whatever, and not to make light of any of those situations. But I think sometimes it's an opportunity for us to really make sure that the things that we have involved in our lives, that we're involved in in our lives, they really add value to our lives. And so to to give some ideas about that, we're going to look at what the, uh, the, the philosopher, the great philosopher Tim McGraw had to say about this situation. Some of you know where I'm going. There's a song that he's put out a long time ago, and you could probably sing it. We're not going to sing it here today. I may let you finish the line. Live like you're dying, right? And so this this opportunity that the person in this song was given to say, hey, you've got this number of of days, months to live. And what does he do? He went skydiving. He went Rocky Mountain climbing. And he went 2.7 seconds on a bull named yeah, you've heard the song. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, some of you are like, what in the world? And then it goes on to say, but I loved deeper. I, I spoke sweeter. I gave forgiveness to all that I'd been denying. But someday I hope you get the chance to live like you're dying. And the truth of it is, is that's really a true statement to say all of you in this room, myself included, have been given the opportunity to live like we're dying. And to, to add value, to uh, here's the deal. It's 100%, every person in here is going to die. Rapture doesn't take place before that, right? I'm praying that the rapture happens and we don't even have to experience that. But this life here, 100% is going to end. Is it worth it? Paul answers that question today when he's confronted with some really challenging situations that are in front of him in his life. One verse today is where we're going to land Acts chapter 20 and verse 24, and he says this But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Paul is saying at this moment when I'm seeing some really tough times, he's saying, you know what? I've given, I've preached, I've told you, I've done all, but my life, is worth nothing unless I continue this task. Another version of the, the scripture in NIV says this, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race. Oh, let that be said of us. That will be our only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. One more version of that says this, but I count my life of no value to myself so that I may finish my course And the ministry I've received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of God's grace. I'm here to tell you today that the only way for us to ensure that our lives are worth something is that we would focus on what they were truly made for in the first place. And that, my friends, is not what the world would say to us about adding value to our lives. And the world would say, you just add more stuff, right? You add more good things, right? Sometimes the things that we add, it's not that they're inherently bad enough of themselves, but when they pull us away from our assignment they become stuff the popular view of more things more activity more spiritual disciplines even more physical disciplines more more healthy living more this more that the prominent the prominent mindset is add more equals more value and for those of us that have families we understand that when you have kids because there is a there's a trap that we have all and i fallen into this my wife and i have fallen into this, this with our kids. And that would be that, boy, if you just give them more things, you could add value to their lives in such a uh, an awesome way, right? As young parents, I remember when our kiddos were young, the, the two older ones, now Chelsea and Chandler, we'd have Christmas or birthdays or whatever, And it really happened during Christmas where they they weren't old enough to even understand what they were given, right? But they would like open one present and it could have been a box of rocks for all they cared. It was just fun, right? They're like, awesome, whatever. And as young moms and dads, what do we do? Automatically, they're enthralled in this first gift. What do we do? We sweep that gift aside and put another one in front of them because if that was good, we're gonna add more to you, right? And so it's just like this whirlwind that we're training our our kids from the very beginning, like if that was good, then more is better. Here's go, this is, you didn't even have to pay for this one. Parent tack right here for all the young parents. That Let that happen first Christmas and then put all those gifts in a trash bag and put them in the attic. And then throughout the year, you can be the hero from everybody else's gift and pull out a gift and they, they'll think it's brand new, right? And you're like, awesome, awesome, it's incredible. We do that and love it, those t- types of things. Why, why do I bring that up? Because we have this idea that more is better. Kids get older, what do we do? We add more activities to their schedule. Well, you're gonna be involved in, in this sport and that sport and drama and the chess club and underwater basket weaving tiddly-winks, and tiddlywinks and I'm making all this stuff up, right? But we're just gonna add all this stuff. We did it too. I understand. I'm not pointing fingers, but I, boy, we went through a season where my uh, my oldest daughter uh, she was involved in competitive cheer, right? Yeah, that's that's great parenting. Eight year old, let's go out there and dress me. Yeah, I, I don't know. Anyway, that's whew. yeah. Anyway, there's it's kind of you guys are involved in that. Some of you and you're like, oh, he's preaching against it. We did it. Did it. Whatever. It's a great season. She loves Jesus. Anyway, so there you go. Kids activities, material possessions. I mentioned earlier in the first service that this week um, I've had a a, a challenge, a temptation. I'm telling you, some of you men may be in this room, maybe some of the women uh, as well, you've experienced this temptation with me. And I'm just telling you, stay away from the Friendly Center right now. Because Sears is going out of business. And Craftsman Tools are on sale right now. For 75 to 80% off. And I don't need every socket that Craftsman has ever made, but I've been in twice now and I've resisted the temptation to buy that. But I just know that when I walk in, I'm like, I've got them all, but more is better. Like I, my, my tool collection would be more valuable if I had more. It happens to us in all these areas of our lives. Oh, we're going to go on these numbers of experiences, travel and this and that, and more, 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 more. And before long, we, we just really lose what valuable things really are. We want to add, there's a book that I'm reading right now that gave this illustration I want to share with you. The book is called From, <clears throat> excuse me, From Strength to Strength. The author uh, retells his stories, uh, Arthur Brooks, his author, retells the story of his visit to the National Palace Museum in Taiwan, and he had an, a guide with him, and he writes this way. He says, looking at a massive jade carving of the Buddha from one of the earlier dynasties there in China, my my guide offhandedly remarked that this was a good illustration of how the Eastern view of art differs from the Western view. Well, how so, I asked. Curiously, he answered my question with a question, And I'm going to read this question. I'm going to ask this of you today too. So in your mind, answer this question. What do you think of when I ask you to imagine a work of art yet to be started? What do you think of when I ask you to imagine a work of art yet to be started? I'm going to try a little experiment here. I didn't do first service, but out loud right now, what do you think of? One, two, three, go. There's like three of you that were brave enough to say anything. What do you think of when I ask you to imagine a work of art yet to be started? He responded, an empty canvas. I heard it somewhere in this room. Somebody said, that's what I thought too, an empty canvas, right? The guide says, right. That's because you Westerners see art as beginning something from nothing. In the East, we believe that art already exists. And our job is simply to reveal it. It's not visible because we add something, but because we take away the parts that are not the art. Wow. When I apply that principle, I'm not saying that this guy was a Christ follower, I don't know, but when I apply that principle to scriptural uh, foundation there, I can see the beauty of it because I'm here to tell you that God has placed within you already the beauty of a life well lived. He has created you in his image and he does not make mistakes, right? He has placed within you that, shall we, shall we say, art, that beauty. Beauty of himself. Our job is simply to not allow all the stuff to get us distracted from the beauty that he has placed within us. Then when we enter into that relationship with Jesus, his, his clothing of righteousness and holiness, and we are sealed together with him, and, and that beautiful the creation of God's purpose and his design is in us, my goodness, let's take away the stuff that distracts us and let's not, not think Well, if I just add more, it adds more value. We focus so many times in our lives on quantity over quality. And I understand taking care of yourself and being healthy. And I believe that that is biblical because God purchased me, right? He paid a price for me. And this body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And you should take care of the temple, right? I get it. I understand it. But when our focus becomes more on the quantity or the, 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 how we can extend our lives and just live forever, right? Which is you're not versus the value and the worth in your life, then boy, we're out of balance there a little bit. In fact, scripture talks about this dynamic. Job's 14.5 says this, you've decided the length of our lives. You know how many months we'll live and we're not given a minute longer. There's an end line coming. Is it worth it? Luke says this, can all your worries in a single moment add a single moment to your life? Well, the answer there is obviously no, it cannot. When we continually just add more stuff, it ends up what I like to say. We sometimes say this in leadership principles, even this way, this idea of sideways energy and sideways energy never pulls you forward. It always pulls you apart. What's your focus? What's your life? What's the value? of your life. What are those things that add worth? That sideways energy is really, really stressful. I brought a friend with me today that's going to help me demonstrate this, this principle, not Pastor Kim, but this little guy, this friend here um, that some of you understand. I'm going to put this, but do you guys remember his, his big brother? I am sorry for his inappropriate dress in the house of the Lord here today, but that's just the way he gets. Do you remember Stretch Armstrong? somebody, somebody is really too excited about Stretch Armstrong. But do you remember, do you you guys have kids maybe that dealt, some of you, this is, this is, you're like really confused right now. Uh, Young men and women in the room, this was a toy that was really popular back in the day. Before we had screens to play with, we just got goofy little muscle men or whatever that I don't know. And what Stretch Armstrong, his whole thing, his whole principle, he did nothing else but this. And that's all he was good for. And we would take pictures at Christmas with the kids pulling his arms across like this. And and we thought that was really fun. Why did we think that was fun? Because if you let Stretch go, he looks weird for a few minutes, kind of like the Incredibles uh, people, whatever. But then he goes back to normal. And I promise you, silly illustration, but there are people right now here in this building that have already been asked this question by people today. and And you've responded this way. And the question was, hey, how you been? How's your week? And you've said oh, busy, and we always do that grunt in front because whatever, I'm just here to tell you that many times we add stuff to our lives, and especially you moms that are like taxi drivers going everywhere, right, I get it, I understand, and you feel like at any moment, like I feel right now, at any moment, I feel like this guy's about to snap, and it's gonna be a funny memory for all of us here, but you know what, you just keep stretching, and he keeps stretching, and before long, you're just like, ah, I'm so busy, and then you know you have to have those moments where you kind of come back. You feel the same way. Let's just see how he can do it. And you do like this, whatever. And it's like you just feel like so stretched. And it is sideways energy all the time. Silly illustration. But boy, don't we do it? We just keep adding things to our lives. We say, boy, my family will be more valuable if I add more activities. We're, we're going to have more memories, and it's going to be awesome, and we're going to add value. And the whole time, we're just stretching, we're just stretching. And quite honestly, this is a good workout, Don. I just did, I recommend it here though, a little bit. Whew. Oh, Old Stretch. He illustrates something that was pretty significant when I'm looking at, at at Paul's life and he says this, I count my life as nothing except for the assignment that God has given to us. Today, one of the things that I think that maybe some conversations that the Lord may be wanting your family to have is for you as husbands and wives to sit down and say, I really I really feel like this and I'm not stretch Armstrong <laughs> like I have been pulled in so many different directions and why don't we take some time to recalibrate and make sure that our focus is the, are on the things that God wants us to focus on. More does not equal more. So thank you, Stretch. By the way, if anybody has the full size, we need that, right? I can't find, him. I'm just teasing. No, we don't need that. That's, he's just a funny little guy. Stretch Armstrong. Here we go. Thoughts on our value and our worth. Not sideways energy, but what Paul says is that value that added him. Three things quickly today that we're going to talk about. Number one, life is worth it. You are worth it. Can I tell you this, that when Paul was in that moment when he was sensing and feeling the end of his, obviously his public ministry, boy, but... you know, kind of a, uh, uh, what am I trying to say? Kind of just sell the end of the story. Don't, we're gonna talk about this. Even at the end of his life, in prison, shipwreck, and all this, God still had a plan. So you may think it's the end. It ain't the end. Bad grammar, true principle. God is in, at work in your life, and you are worth it. There are so many times that before you get to the point where you can say, like Paul said, with his, his strength and his passion, that my, I count my life as worth nothing except for finishing the race, That you just have to be resolved in the confidence that you know that my life is ordained by God. I am placed in my family for such a time as this. I am placed in my school for this purpose. I am placed in this region, in my job. It is worth it. I don't care how tough it is. I don't care how how the struggles that you may find yourself in. You are a part of a family right now. a, A body of believers that just wants to kind of lift your faith a little bit. Maybe... Pull up your chin a little bit, lift up over the struggles. And I just want to say to you, it's worth it. Your life is worth it. <laughs> Jeremiah, the prophet, he, he kind of came to that conclusion. He said that the, he quoted the Lord. He said, for I know the plans I have for you. They're plans for good, not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. God also said that I knew you to Jeremiah. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb, before you were born I set you apart. It is worth it. Your life is worth it. Don't ever believe anything other than that. God created you to be known by him. And and that is the first step in what our vision here at the church is. Experience God. That you could come into that, 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 that understanding that God, the creator of the universe, he made me. And if for no other reason, none of my family or anything, the assignment, for no other reason, it would still mean I'm worth it because God created me. That's quite honestly a little side whatever. I won't go down this road here, but you understand that's why the enemy is attacking life itself, right? That's why as a a church that believes in scripture, we have stand on the side of life being valuable and worth it because God has said so he created and we will not step in the way of what God is doing because people's lives born and unborn are worth it it. You are worth it. Number two in this idea of worth says this, your worth, it doesn't increase with increase. It just does not increase with increase. I say, well, uh, Pastor John, you're, you're doing a little word you know jumble there or whatever. Well, the truth of it is, is that it goes back to what I said in the intro that, that sometimes we think if we could just get more, we'll have more value. And truth many times plays out that when more stuff gets involved, it's really difficult to keep the main thing the main thing, right? And that of serving the Lord. In fact, Jesus had this idea come up in an interaction with one of the men that came to him. In Mark's gospel, chapter 10, it says this, as Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him. He knelt down and he asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? It's interesting, Jesus says, why do you call me good? Only God's truly good, but to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder, you must not commit adultery, you must not steal, you must not testify falsely, you must not cheat anyone, honor your father and mother. Can you imagine the the man that came and asked his question? It's like, sweet, I'm in. I'm good, I've done that, yes, awesome. And this is what happens. This teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. I have got the patch. I have got the good attendance award for Sunday school. I'm in, I've done it, got all those things. Well, looking at the man, Jesus, he felt genuine love for him. And he says, there's still one thing you haven't done. He told him, go and sell all your possessions, your stuff, and give the money to the poor. And then you'll have treasure in heaven. And then, come follow me. Wow. Pastor Tom, when we talk about kingdom builders and, and, and the partners that we have together, I believe that there's biblical foundation for us to say it. It's, it's supported in scripture that Jesus says that our heart should be to consider other people of more value than us. And so how can we do that? It plays out differently, but here in this situation, boy he he raised the bar right it was pretty significant he said then you can come follow me now i believe that in this scripture jesus knew something of the man's heart that was going right to where he was at right and so here's where it goes on to explain it at this the man's face fell Jesus knew exactly what was in the way of him and this man following him with 100%. And because the man's face fell, he went away sad for he had many possessions. He had stuff, man. He had every craftsman's socket set that was made. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, somebody just got blessed. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? This amazed them. But Jesus said again, dear children, it's very hard to enter the kingdom of God. It's very hard. Uh, In fact, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter into the kingdom of God. What is God saying to us? Well, sometimes we think that increase always equals increase. Like if we just add more stuff. increase stuff, it doesn't make it easier to follow Jesus. Sometimes, in my own experience, truth be told, it actually makes it more difficult. It can. It really does. And so for those of you that are blessed, I'm saying, boy, we are blessed to be a blessing. And if we'll keep that equation correct, Awesome. But if that gets out of kind of calibration with what the Spirit wants, then boy, he has some really tough words for us. But we are blessed to be a blessing. I'm so. Let me just stop and say this, in case there somebody you say, "Wow, Pastor John, what do you?" Doing? I believe right now there are men and women in this room that God is wanting to bless you exponentially beyond what you can ever imagine. Here's why I know that because you have already proven yourself to be faithful over the little things. And God says, I want to make you ruler over many because His purpose is not to just make you affluent, His purpose is to advance His kingdom. And some of you in this room, He's already tested you and you've proven that you can be faithful with blessing. And so God's saying, man i' i 've already seen I can get blessing through you so i 'm going to bless to you and if you 'll continue to be that conduit then 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 your increase is really it, it's just it is what it is because god's blessing his kingdom through you and i 'm here to tell you then praise God God send millionaires into the billionaires into your kingdom that the money that that sometimes people put as a as an idol before the Lord that God would just redeem that and use it to advance his kingdom and so please understand that when I talk about this and, and this, this increase and boy, that is not for anybody to feel like, Oh man, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty blessed. Yes. I'm glad you are. You're blessed to be a blessing. However, the truth in our society is sometimes we have a hard time with this. We have a hard time with more and we have to, we want more. In fact, I was reading this study, this This was interesting. I was kind of diving into this premise this week. There's some Nobel Prize winners uh, several years ago, not hundreds of years ago, but decades ago. uh, Professor Kahn, K-A-H-N, Daniel Kahn, and Amos Tversky, I think I am pronounced that right, T-V-E-R-S-K-Y, they developed and they won a Nobel Prize for this this theory called the prospect theory. It was part of this bigger study, but the prospect theory stated that people are irrational agents when it comes to assessing the reality of gains and losses. They found that humans assess or evaluate the loss of something of ha- as having much greater emotional impact than gaining the same amount of the same thing. I lost $10, I fall into depression. I earn or gain $10, eh, it's decent. I I lose this and it's, oh, the wheels are falling off. I gain this and wow, good job. This idea of loss aversion is what causes us, they said in this study, to hoard and never want to subtract to our lives because there is this inerrant propensity within us to be afraid of loss, right? And for some of you as reading this 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 article, you may have or you may have, have, have really um, been in influenced by even some of our family that have lived through er- eras in the world like the Great Depression, different thing. When when oh losses is, is you've walked through struggle or lack, and so it's just kind of. Re- Reinforces that don't lose anything hoard right? And the truth is, is that if we take that into our spiritual life and the things that can blind us and, and cause us to lose focus on the things of the Lord, it can be really damaging to us. And so the, the point of what Paul is trying to say today is increase doesn't always equal increase. I count my life, all the things that I've done. In fact, earlier in that chapter, he, he kind of recounts all that he had done to the church. I've done this. I've done that. I've been obedient. I've spoke to you this, all this stuff. And then he says, I count my life as worth nothing except to finish the cause that God has called me to. Increase does not always equal increase. Finally, number three, and the team's going to come help me conclude this morning because someone is sitting in the third floor of the balcony and they're watching and they're getting sleepy, teasing. Number three, thoughts on worth. Your worth is linked to your assignment i hope you've heard that over and over today paul said it more more clearly than than i could he says my life is worth nothing unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. Number three, your worth is linked to your assignment. It's not about what you have, but it's about why you're here. You know, many of you have read the, the book, Rick Warren. Pastor Rick Warren says this in the purpose-driven life, that, that we all have a purpose, that God has placed that within us. I love it. And I just... I. I love it when people have that aha moment when the light bulb flips on and your why becomes very clear. And that why may be revealed through your profession. That why may be revealed through your family. That why may be revealed at a, at a youth camp, at an altar where God calls you into ministry. At a, at a youth rally in Madisonville, Texas, when a 16-year-old kid heard God say to him, John, don't be afraid. I've called you into ministry. That's the worth, that's the value you. That's the assignment that God has placed upon my life. And my life is worth nothing if I did any other thing other than to finish the task, the assignment that God has called me to finish, and God is calling you to finish as well. Paul said it this way as we conclude um, to another church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians. This is the why behind our assignment. It says this means that anyone Anyone, you may be here today, and I'm just here to say you're the anyone, that God has set you up. And he set you up in the very first point to say that, you know what, you've been questioning whether or not you're worth it. And you are. And Jesus died on a cross for you to make it possible for you to enter into a relationship with God afresh and anew. It says it means anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. Praise the Lord. That's what it's all about, right? And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And here it is. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him for god was in christ reconciling the world to himself no longer counting people's sins against them and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation i'm here to tell you today church that when you come to that moment where your question is my life worth it it can be And it only is when we, with the confidence that Paul said, we count ourselves worthy because of our assignment, only because of our assignment. I count my life as nothing. My life is worth nothing. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Amen? Amen. Stand with me today. Stand with me today. And we're going to be concluded here. I'm challenged by this scripture. There's so much in Acts chapter 20. Dive into it. There's a lot of good stuff um, that that God has for us in this passage. But today, what God's wanting to ask us is, is your life worth it? And the answer, easy answer to that is, yeah, it is. And it becomes worth more value whenever we posture our heart the same way Paul did. He says, my life really is worth nothing except... The assignment that God has given to me. Would you bow your heads with me all over this room? I'm going to ask the prayer team to come and join me at the front and the back in their positions, and just everybody else, just stay put. We've got time, and I know sometimes when we get to this point, we check out. Please don't do that because there there are people that need to to respond to what the Spirit may be saying that to them today. So as the prayer team comes, I'm going to ask you a really simple and powerful question. If you're here in this room and you would say, you know what, Pastor John. Um, I just I, I I'm at a position in my life where I I know that I need that that word it's a big word reconciliation but it's a powerful truth in my life that, that my life is far from God and I I need to to have that relationship restored I need to begin my relationship with Jesus today and the good news about your position in that and your awareness of that is that that Jesus simply says, if anyone just confesses their sin and they come, they believe, then I'll forgive them and we'll start over. And like Paul said in 2 Corinthians, if anyone is in Christ, the old is gone and the new has come. And that's that's our honor to pray with you together today, to introduce you to Jesus. So if you're here today and you say, I want to begin my relationship with Jesus today, everybody's heads bowed or eyes and their eyes are closed just so there's no distractions. That's the only reason. And 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 there's a moment that that sometimes you need to be able to respond. It's just between you and God. And I'm obviously looking around because I want to pray together with you. But if that's you and you'd say, Pastor John, would you you include me in that prayer? I want to ask Jesus into my heart. If that's you in this room, would you just do me the honor of letting me recognize you just by raising your hand in this room? And just keep it held up until I recognize you all over this room. Thank you so much. I see your hand in the middle here. Anybody else? Just a few minutes, wait just for a second. I just wanna begin my relationship with Jesus today and I want you to to include me in that prayer. Anybody else? Awesome, awesome. If you're joining with us online, there's a, there's a way for you to connect there for the host, and I just encourage you to connect with them. And uh, we wanna pray together with you as well to ask Jesus to come into your heart. Church, would you do me a favor? We're gonna pray this prayer, everybody in this room, and we're gonna agree together this with this one that's raised their hand. And the truth of it is, 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 is maybe there are others that just didn't raise their hand, but the prayer, it's not about a hand raise, it's about a posture of a heart. And you may have said, well, I should have, but we're just gonna include you in that prayer. And I just encourage you to to let this prayer be the prayer of your heart. Everybody in the room, repeat after me. Say, dear Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. I know you love me and that you died on the cross to purchase my forgiveness. I receive that forgiveness. Forgive me today. Today, I love you. And I begin my life with you. Be the Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. The Bible says that the angels in heaven rejoice when one sinner, as we all have been, comes to repentance. Can we join them as well? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Is it worth it? Yes, it's worth it. Your life is worth it when you are on assignment. And that's the joy with which I dismiss you today is to say kind of in Pastor John verbiage, go get them, go get them. God has called you, he has set you apart. He's assigned a task for you. It is worth it. And God will do that today. In a minute, when we dismiss, I'd encourage you to come and pray. If you have needs in your life, there's people at the front and then also at the back underneath the, the pray signs, there'll be people there to meet with you. However, if you're new and you're prepared to join us, or if you didn't even know and you don't have lunch plans, the party is for you. So it's right in the East Auditorium over there. I'm telling you, it's gonna be fun. It'll be quick. And we'll have a good time together. We really would. It counted an honor to get to know so many of you. It's a big deal. I know it's a fun name, but it's, very, it's a spiritual thing that we're doing. And that's to get to know and to get people connected with what God is doing. And I, we don't take that lightly. It's, it's going to be fun. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. And may His face shine upon you in your coming and going. And may you be and continue to be a reflection of God's grace in your families, in the triad, and all over the community, and may you be on assignment this week, and add value because you are valuable, says the Lord. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. Come and pray if you'd like for us to pray together with you. God bless you.